Welcome to Conscious Business, where entrepreneurs learn to master their mindset, conquer their fear, and step into their bigger game. Now, here's your host, Julie Zuzak. Hello, and welcome to Conscious Business, episode 134. We are in the middle of our series on situational blueprinting. We kicked off back in episode 130, and I got to tell you, I've been very overwhelmed by all the feedback from you guys about how this is changing the way that you look at your business and not just your business, but all aspects of your life. And I love that. You know, sometimes I have to confess, I take for granted this type of work that I do with my clients and with my community. I mean, I've been doing this for years with people, but what you may not realize is that This is really cutting edge work. You're not only on the edge, you are way ahead of the curve. No one thinks like this when it comes to their business. So reach across, give yourself a huge pat on the back for being here. Because if you showed up here, if you found yourself here today, it means that you're about to hear something really, really important that is going to change the way you run your business and how you show up. Now, just to refresh your memory, a situational blueprint is when you prepare for a future event, a milestone, a challenge in your business, and you think through how you're going to handle it. When you do this, you are preparing for that future scenario by deciding in advance how you're going to handle it. Now, the advantage of doing this is that we have the perspective, the clarity, if you will, of thought to really make those critical decisions without being in a pressurized environment. And this also helps us to lean in and visualize our future success and milestones, thereby accelerating them into existence. You know, elite athletes and high performers have been leveraging these techniques for years. And now it's time for us to apply these techniques to how we build and grow our businesses. Now, if you're like me and you are a recovering perfectionist, then this episode is going to make you really, really uncomfortable. And that's a good thing. Trust me, you are exactly where you need to be because we're talking about screwing up, about making mistakes. And nobody wants to screw up. Nobody starts a business with the intention of making a bunch of mistakes and really influencing people in a negative way. It is just an inevitable part of your success and of running a business. Now, we seem to be conditioned in life that we have to look perfect all the time and that there isn't any room to make mistakes. But seriously, if life were really like that, what fun would that be? Because we all know, deep down inside, you know this, the biggest lessons and the best stories come from our greatest mistakes. And that's a great tweetable. I'm going to say it again. The biggest lessons and the best stories come from our greatest mistakes. So my mission today is to help you to shift your perspective, to get comfortable with screwing up. Because really, the important thing isn't that we made a mistake. The important thing is how we handle the mistake. Do we own it? Do we learn from it? 
That is what takes the mistake from being just a random screw up to really being truly intelligent. We turn it into a teachable moment. So welcome to this episode. We're going to be blueprinting screwing up because like it or not, it's going to happen. So here's a look at what you're going to learn today. First, I'm going to explain what I mean by screwing up and we're gonna look at some current examples. In our second segment, we're gonna learn how to handle a screw up. I've got some great tips for you. And then in the last segment, I'm gonna give you a blueprint of how you can prepare for your screw ups. So, get out of your head, into your heart, and let's dive right in, shall we? All right, let's talk about screwing up. And I wanna talk about Facebook, which is a very timely example. Thank you, universe, for giving me all these great examples recently of big screw-ups and how people have handled them. But before we do that, I want to explain and really, really get clear on what I mean by screwing up. Because a couple episodes, we talked about failure. And I wanna explain how screwing up is different than failure. They're both really important in their own unique ways. And you're probably really uncomfortable about both topics. Now, here's how I see the two as being different. Now, I see failure as when you have a product or a project that has either bombed or didn't quite yield the success or the results that you wanted. It's not necessarily that it was a mistake. It's really more the absence of success. There aren't any fires to put out because, quite frankly, there aren't really even any embers going on at all. Versus screwing up, well, that's when you make a mistake that has a really negative impact on someone. Think of it like this. Has someone been inconvenienced or wronged by your actions? And that could be either intentionally or unintentionally. Is it worthy of an apology to make things right? This is what I consider a screw-up, and it's really important to blueprint for this because mistakes, sadly, are going to happen no matter how smart you are, no matter how careful you are, you're going to have to face mistakes. But how you handle them, well, that is character-defining because it impacts how you are seen, what your brand stands for, and how quickly you can bounce back from the screw-up. Now, we don't have to look very far these days to see examples of big brands like Starbucks and Facebook being in a screw-up and deciding to own their mistakes. Even a software company that I use had a huge outage last week, and they sent out a really carefully crafted apology slash ownership, I'm going to call it, email from their founder and CEO to really explain the outage. Now, luckily, I wasn't inconvenienced by the outage. I didn't even know that it happened. But it did stand out to me at how amazing this email was written. It actually was really long and very detailed, but I read it all the way through to the end. Now, in the past, I have, in my previous life, been responsible for writing corporate communications. And maybe that's why I was so appreciative of what they sent out. I used to be responsible for writing the corporate communication about planned network outages and also 
ownership emails for unplanned, not so much fun outages. And I gotta confess, I do not miss this part of my job at all. It was not, I repeat, it was not one of my favorite things to do. Trying to breathe in a fresh, engaging spin on a network outage, oh my gosh, not so much fun. So I was really, really impressed by this email that I received this week because they really did a great job of explaining it with really engaging copy. They just managed to strike the right balance of being interesting, but not making light of a pretty serious situation. And this is so important. Remember, your brand is the expectation of an experience. And so every single touch point that you have with your clients, with your community, influences how they see your brand. And I mean everything. Every touch point, every email, every post on social media, Every time someone engages with your brand, it informs how they see your brand. So here's an excerpt from that email. Here goes. Of course, we immediately discovered the outage. All hell breaks loose over here when things go down. And all hands were on deck to resolve the issue as quickly as possible. We worked with our data center in Las Vegas to revive the server, but that proved futile. The thing was kaput. So the team had to figure out an alternative way to bring your accounts back up as soon as possible. Now this email was not only written in an engaging tone, and it is tricky to explain something technical in common everyday language, but it also contained a few critical things. First, a very clear explanation and full disclosure of what happened. But again, it didn't overwhelm people with too much technical speak. Two, they took full ownership and responsibility for the outage and what happened. And then three, a very clear action plan explaining how they plan to prevent this from happening again in the future. So here's another excerpt from the email where they talk about their action plan, okay? Of course, this represents a major breakdown on our part and is among the worst outages we've ever seen. Our team has already kicked off a complete review of every part of our system for redundancy, as well as the implementation of a new process where we'll regularly drop random services to ensure things continue uninterrupted. In fact, the team came up with 21 action items that they'll prioritize over the coming days and weeks. Okay, did you hear that? 21 action items. They were really specific about what they've done and what they plan to do in the future. It's so well done, it's honest, it's clear, and it has that sense of urgency. And again, the apology will never undo the damage that was done, but taking responsibility is so critical to really restore faith in your product and in your brand. Now, I don't know if it's because I worked in communications for years, but I'm always so fascinated to see how companies react to making big mistakes. Do they take ownership? Are they empathetic? How long did it take for them to launch into action? Because with every mistake comes a great opportunity to teach others a lesson about who we are and what we stand for. So let's take a look at Facebook. 
So in the wake of the Cambridge Analytica scandal, Mark Zuckerberg agreed to testify before Congress. And on a public Q&A call, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to this, but I definitely did. Mark admitted the failure and outlined a plan for building a more mature Facebook. Now, you have to remember that these statements, they aren't just off the cuff. They are very, very well thought out. And there's input from counsel, from communications people. And he probably had some of the best PR people on his side advising him on what to say and how to say it. But on the call, he was very clearly honest and owning his mistake. Here's an excerpt from the call. We didn't take a broad enough view of what our responsibility is, and that was a huge mistake. And that was my mistake. So very clearly, Mark is admitting that there was a mistake, and he's admitting that it is his mistake. He's not sloughing it off on his staff his employees, different departments, he is personally taking responsibility, which is so important because that is what people are waiting to hear. You know, in these situations, admitting that you made a mistake, it doesn't take the mistake away. It doesn't erase the wrong that was done. But people want to know that you are taking it seriously. They want to know that you're truly serious and sorry for what you did and that there is a clear action plan going forward. I'm going to be honest with you. I do not love making mistakes. I don't. And I don't love having to admit that I made a mistake or that I'm not perfect. But this is a really important lesson. And It's really, really, really a powerful leadership skill. This is the make it or break it definition of integrity. It truly is. We have to own our actions and not just the successes, but also the failure, right? It's easy to own our successes, but powerful to own our mistakes. And that's a great tweetable. It's easy to own successes, but powerful to own mistakes. And the tough love lesson here is that it's not just about your brand or your perception by others. It's about your relationship with you. If you don't own your mistakes, then you will be out of integrity with yourself, which is a very dangerous and very toxic place to be. Because the blame toxin kicks in and we instantly look for someone else to pass the blame to. Now, I see this in the corporate world all too often. One department doesn't hit their target, so they instantly blame another department. This was always the common theme I saw between sales and marketing. It was like a big old sibling rivalry. Or maybe someone didn't see an email, and so they blame their spam filter. Great leadership means taking responsibility. And when something goes wrong... The first question, the most important question to ask yourself is, what do I need to take responsibility for? Now, the great thing about taking ownership like this is that you are teaching others a lesson about how to act and how to show up. Often, when you step up 
to own something yourself, other people are going to chime in also and they're going to take ownership for their part or they're going to leap into preventative measures for next time. Think about it. When things go wrong, we're often more angered by someone not owning the mistake than we are about them actually making the mistake. And this is a big truth that I want you to pay attention to. Again, when things go wrong, we're often more angered by someone not owning the mistake than we actually are about them making the mistake. Because it's in these high-pressured situations when we get the opportunity to show people who we really are, what we really stand for. And while the actual mistake may have been unpreventable, it may have been an accident, the opportunity to step up and apologize and make it right Well, that is completely in front of us and we are completely at choice to do it or to not do it. So here are five tips that I'm going to share with you and this is going to help you to handle a screw up. Tip number one, timing is critical. The sooner that you can step up and own something, the better. If you leave too much time and too much space, well, this just gives other people the chance to draw their own conclusions. And it's also kind of like ripping off a Band-Aid, right? The sooner you do it, the easier it's going to be. Don't overthink it. Don't put it off. Just do it. All right? Number two, be clear in your apology. Don't dance around it. There's a right way to apologize and a wrong way to apologize. Let's look back at Mark's statement. We didn't take a broad enough view of what our responsibility is, and that was a huge mistake. And that was my mistake. He's really clear to name the mistake, and he takes full responsibility for it. That's what people are looking for. That's the right way to apologize. The drive-by apology, this is my favorite, is when you gloss over the fact that you even did something wrong or you try to downplay the severity or the intent of what you did versus an authentic apology where you really own what you did and you're willing to sit down and give it the space. Now, I can speak personally to apologies that I don't love receiving. Like if someone says, I'm really sorry that you were offended by what I did. Now, to me, that's not an apology. It's not really owning what you did. The point is we need to apologize for not for how they responded to our actions. The point is to apologize for our actions. Do you see the difference? Okay, so tip number three is to own it. Make it clear, crystal clear that you understand that this was your fault and it is your responsibility. Don't go into that gray area. Be clear, get to the point, and be concise. Tip number four, offer an action plan. Now, depending on what you're apologizing for and what the scenario is, it might be relevant to explain the action plan of what you're going to do to remedy things. Just like the technical email I read earlier about the service outage, this company has actually taken steps already and they're putting a plan in place and they've shared that with their customers. So if it's relevant, offer an action plan. Tip number five, ask for input. 
Again, in some circumstances, not all, apologizing to a specific person, maybe you can ask them what you can do to make it up to them. Or maybe just give them some space as part of that conversation, especially if you're doing a face-to-face conversation one-to-one or knee-to-knee. Give them the space to speak up and say what is on their mind too, right? Give them that opportunity. This can be an important part of the healing process. Okay, so let's review those five steps. Number one, timing is critical. Rip off that Band-Aid. The sooner you step up and own something, the better. Number two, be clear on your apology. Don't dance around. Don't go into the gray area. Be specific and be clear. Tip three, own it. Don't just name what went wrong. Be sure to take ownership for what happened. Four and five are both optional. Relevant maybe to your scenario, maybe not, but offering an action plan And five, ask for input. Remember, apologizing doesn't take the mistake away. But what it does is it stops the damage and it takes the first step towards regaining someone's faith and trust in you and in your brand. All right, now it's time for us to create a situational blueprint for screwing up. Step number one, we need to reflect on past mistakes. Now I want you to do this in two ways. I want you to think about a time when someone has wronged you and how it was handled. Did they own it or not? How did that impact you? Remember what I said earlier, when things go wrong, we're often more frustrated by someone not owning the mistake than we actually are about them making the mistake. And then secondly, I also want you to take time and think about some of the mistakes that you've made in the past and how you handled them. See, often, if you're really, really honest with yourself, if you apologize quick as you can, it takes that mistake off your chest versus if you don't apologize or you don't do it in a pure way, then it tends to be something that you carry around with you like baggage, all right? Remember, defensiveness is a close neighbor to the truth. So if you are feeling defensive about something, chances are there's something in there for you to own, okay? So step number one, reflect on past mistakes. Learn from them and seek the intelligence in them. Step number two, look for inspiration around you of how you want to act and who you want to be. Who are the great leaders, the mentors, or people in your life that you look up to or know of? How do they handle mistakes? Think about these people. Are they perfect? Chances are they've made their fair share of mistakes. Do you look down on them if they've made mistakes? Probably not. And when they did, how did they handle it? Open your eyes and really see these mistakes and recognize that nobody else is perfect. So stop having this high expectation that you need to be perfect, okay? So step two, look for inspiration around you. And step three, decide who you are, and how you're going to handle your mistakes. 
you might realize that once you reflect, you're doing everything exactly how you want to, in which case, keep up the amazing work. Or on reflection, you may see the chance for you to change the way you handle things. Maybe you need to apologize a little bit more quickly. Maybe you need to be more sincere with your apology. Or on reflection, maybe you see the chance for you to change the way you say things. This is a perfect time to decide today. What do you want to do differently when that situation presents itself? Remember, success isn't about perfection. And when you own your mistakes, you're giving other people around you permission to not be perfect either. I also find it helps to have a few phrases in your back pocket ready to use. So here's a few that you can pick and choose from. Have that language handy so that when you need to use it, you can access it quickly. All right? So here's a couple things. First off, you could say, hey, I just want to let you know that I completely screwed up and I'm sorry. Or, you know what? I don't like to have to admit this, but I made a really big mistake. Or, you could say, hey, I want you to know that I'm not perfect. I made a mistake. Here's what I did. Spend some time really thinking about what you want to say. Maybe combine a few phrases together, but have that handy and ready to access as a tool in your back pocket for when you need it. So that's the process for creating a situational blueprint for screwing up. Step number one, reflect on your mistakes and the mistakes of others. Step two, look for inspiration from others that you admire. If you don't expect them to be perfect, why the heck are you expecting you to be perfect? And step number three, decide who you are and how you're going to handle your mistakes in the future. Okay, thank you for tuning in to this episode. I know that it may have been an uncomfortable topic, but it's an important one, and I'm proud that you made it to the end. You know, over the years, I have learned that perfection is overrated, and perfection is not a destination. It is an illusion, because if you're growing and you're learning, as I know you are, you're going to make mistakes. Screwing up is just a necessary part of success. As we say, the road to success is paved with failure. It's easy to own success, but it's powerful to own mistakes. And the biggest lessons and the best stories come from our greatest mistakes. If you don't own your mistakes, you will be out of integrity with yourself, which is a horrible place to be. Great leadership means taking great responsibility. And because I know that you are a great leader, remember that people are watching you all the time. They are learning from you all the time, from your actions. Now the question is, what is it that you want to be teaching them. Thanks for hanging out with the Corporate Yogi. 
Remember, being an entrepreneur can be intense and isolating at times. Don't do it alone. Become part of Julie's Facebook group called Conscious Business. And if you're really serious about growing your biz, visit thecorporateyogi.com and book a free strategy session with Julie today.